Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Focus from the Washington Research Council. This is Mary Strau. I'm joined today by my colleagues Emily Makings and Chris Showbloom. We are recording this on December 9th, 2015. And Emily, we're going to start with you. Okay. Uh, last month, the National Association of State Budget Officers released its annual state expenditure report. And uh, this report looks at um, spending by the states and also the spending um, that they get from the federal government. So it's a kind of a, a good way to compare across states what their priorities are. And um, this report includes actual data for 2013 and 2014 and estimated numbers for 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, the report notes that overall nationally, uh, state spending increased at its fastest rate since 1992. And while states' own fund sources grew modestly, there was a rapid increase in federal funds to the states. And this was due mostly because of the Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act. Because new um, new Medicaid clients who uh, qualify for Medicaid under the expansion are eligible for much higher federal funds for much higher federal funds matching rate. Um, so that was an interesting piece of the report. Yeah, for sure. Um, it also shows that um, I include a, um, a table in the blog post on this that uh, Washington spends about 23.4% of its total budget on um, K-12 education and 13.7% on higher ed. And those numbers, percentage numbers, are higher than um, the average across all states. Um, and then we spend less on Medicaid as a percentage of total expenditures than the rest of the states overall. Huh. So th- those were the interesting points I thought from the report. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's, I think, all, I think that's all that was interesting from it. Okay. So I'll move on unless either of you had any questions. No, but I think that's something to ponder for sure. I'm sure that various people have various opinions on that uh, in the legislature and elsewhere. Yeah. Some thinking we Uh, should be spending more everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So to kind of continue the health health, um, topic here, the Washington Health Benefit Exchange released the first enrollment report for this open enrollment period. And it shows, so open enrollment began November 1st for uh, private health plans that are sold under the Affordable Care Act. And for the, in the first month, 123, about 123,000 plans were selected. And that's a, a pretty good number. Mm-hmm. Um, of those, just under 11,000 were new enrollees, and the rest were renewals. And the renewal number seems... Um, very high because 84,000 of those were automatically renewed. Oh. Currently, the exchange put in place an, an easy auto renewal process. Um, oh, sure, yeah. My question about that is um, premiums went up on average for these plans. And so I'm not sure if once people, if people really did auto renew, if they're really aware of 
whether or not there was an increase, and if they weren't, if um, if that will make them change their selections once they realize, or yeah, um, or what. So that might that makes me think that this number might be slightly high. Also, um, this is the first enrollment period in which the exchange is not collecting the, the payments for the plans itself. So this data is only for plans that are selected through the exchange website. Oh. But now the insurance companies are actually um, taking payments. So previously, the enrollment reports were really reliable coming out of the Washington Health Benefit Exchange because the exchange knew exactly who had paid for their enrollments. These weren't people who had just picked the plan and then were going to pay later, maybe. So in the previous two enrollment periods, I thought that our Washington data was much better than the national data for this reason. Yeah. So now I'm, I think that this might be, um, it, it, this could be an overestimate of what the actual numbers will be. So we'll see going forward, but I'm, Oh yeah, I think anytime you have automatic re-enrollment, that's that seems to be a bit of a problem because I mean we've everyone has had experience in their lives, not necessarily with healthcare, but where you get re-enrolled in something and you don't realize, and then later on, especially if prices are going up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely good to have that that option because I mean, shopping for health insurance is not a fun experience. No, and no. So if you can make it easier for people, that's wonderful. But right. um, it'll just be interesting to see if if the numbers hold up going forward. Yeah. The open enrollment is is open until uh, Janu- the end of January. Okay. So after that, we should have a more solid idea of what's really going on. Right. Okay. All right. Good. Well, thank you, Emily, for that update. Uh, appreciate it. And... Um, Chris, you have a couple of interesting yes. news items to yes. share. Yes, uh, a little bit of uh, news from our um, aerospace sector. Um, the first uh, big piece of news um, last week uh, was the, um, uh, the reauthorization of the Export-Import Bank. Nice. Uh, came as part of the, the big transportation deal, which is, was a nice thing in its own right. Sure. Uh, and we'll, yeah, that was another big story. Yes, and the funds, funding that eventually comes to that to the state, I mm-hmm. think, will, will, will uh, be a nice contribution to, our, uh, uh, to trying to fill in a bit of our infrastructure deficit. Yeah. Uh, but the but the the export import bank actually was back in business open on Monday. That's right. the good news, and mm-hmm. uh, and we know all know how that's important uh, um, to Boeing in particular, but uh, uh, across the spectrum for a state that uh, that um, ranks as among the most trade dependent states mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, there's one little glitch there, uh, and that is that. Uh, um, as, as of right now, three of the five seats on the XM Bank's board are vacant. Uh, really? And so, are they taking applications? How do you get on there? I, I think. I think. They, I think. The, the, this is these um, these board seats are um, are filled uh, through by a process in which the um, the president nominates uh, folks, oh. and then the Senate. Um, uh, votes up or down. Oh, so that's a pretty big deal. And that, that can be a, can be a big deal. Yeah. Um, and we shall see. Mm. Um, whether and four can, are vacant. Uh, 
Only three are vacant. Three are vacant. Three are okay. vacant, but lacking a quorum, they cannot actually approve any new large deals. Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, of a value of above above ten million dollars. Yeah. So, so right now, Boeing uh, is not able to. Boeing clients are not able to uh, oh. um, to really get funding. Okay. So, so that that will be our watching. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, and then the other piece of Boeing news was the um, the. the Rollout of the first of the new 737 Maxes, mm, uh, which right. came off the assembly line, uh, line, I guess, last week, but it was publicly viewed uh, for the first time on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've got a new assembly line, the third assembly line, that's squeezed between the, the two existing lines down in the Renton plant. Um, and we've got uh, planes number two and three are, are working their way down that line right now. Nice. Uh, the first planes will be used for testing, but the hope is that they actually will be delivering one to the to a customer by 2017. All right. Uh, there was a in the uh, New York uh, Seattle Times uh, article um, um, uh, that uh, came out uh, yesterday. I guess it was mm-hmm. was the. Um, there was um, some uh, interesting uh, speculation from uh, uh, the aerospace, a- aerospace analyst Scott Hamilton, mm-hmm. who thinks that competitive uh, situation is such that um, the the seven thirty seven Max will have a relatively short production uh, uh, life, and that uh, uh, in the not too distant future we'll actually see a brand new airplane uh, um, announced by Boeing to to kind of fill that slot in oh. their lineup. Okay. Um, which is uh, actually good news for the region and that that uh, the 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 uh, number of uh, you know the it takes a number of uh, bodies to design a brand new airplane. So oh, there'll sure. be a lot of a lot of work, you know, perhaps uh, starting uh, at the at the end of this decade and going into the mm. beginning of the next decade, Interesting. decade in the in that area. Wow. They'll have to come up with a new name. Yeah. Well I wonder if it'll have a seven in it. You know, they they could even, <laughs> well, it depends on how close the plane looks, because they might even just... That's re- true. Re- might be like a next generation yeah. or something. So. All right. Good. Right. Well, um, just to round off our discussion, also sort of in the aerospace, more on the space side of aerospace discussion, um, interesting article in today's, December 9th, Uh, edition of the Puget Sound Business Journal uh, that the Legislative Committee on Economic Economic Development and International Relations um, is going to be meeting this Thursday at Seattle's Museum of Flight for an all-day hearing on the state's role in supporting the space industry. Um, So the article leads off by saying that Olympia has noticed the Puget Sound area's fast-growing outer space business and is blasting off an effort to help. Um, So they're going to be looking at potentially the possibility of um, tax incentives um, for for the region's space industry. And as the Business Journal reports, um, the region's space industry was recently put on the national map by Blue Origin's successful return and landing of the first stage booster of its new Shepard spacecraft, the first time this has been done. And other local industry leaders are Spaceflight Incorporated. Um, 
it builds and launches, launches satellites, planetary resources, which plans to mine asteroids, which sounds really cool. I know my kids, I was telling my kids about that, and they were very interested in that. Um, and Aerojet Rocketdyne, which builds small rocket engines for use in orbit and deep space. Um, the Business Journal also notes that at a meeting of the Washington State Space Coalition earlier this year, some members said they'd like to see, again, tax credits for their companies, uh, similar to those that aerospace companies now receive. So, interesting, both interesting for the, the fact that the Seattle area is now home to a burgeoning space industry, which is pretty cool. Um, way cool. Yeah, way cool. I mean, as I said, my kids are super super excited about that. Um, and also it's opening up the door to a rather controversial topic these days of tax incentives. Controversial for some people. For some of us, we see that tax incentives work. Other people um, have a different opinion on that matter. Um, but at any rate, it should be fascinating to see, not only to see how this uh, legislative committee uh, hearing shakes out, but just to see the future of of the space industry here in Seattle. And um, I won't make any jokes about how some members might want to put some justices of the Supreme Court on a spaceship. <laughs> I won't say that at all. I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm just thinking of, you know, potential jokes. You can imagine all the play on words and, and jokes that will be made at various people's expense when it comes to rocket ships. Um, so anyway, uh, I think that's all. Anything else, Chris? No, nope, nope. nothing really. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.